Good morning. As we come together, let's pray. Our Father, we come today as people who need to see and hear from you. Some of us carry real burdens from this past week, and we're going into a week that has its uncertainties also. And so we ask that you would come and do the work in our hearts and minds that only you can do by your Spirit. Might we see Jesus in all his beauty and his glory, for we pray in his precious name. Amen. Has a face ever changed your life? If you think about it, I bet it has. It may have been that baby in the hospital who changed your life. I certainly remember the birth of my first son, Joseph, in Mexico. I remember the birth of Sarah Jane in Jackson, Mississippi. But I think the faces of the twins changed my life more than either of those. For you see, they were 11 weeks premature. They were tiny. There were tubes everywhere. I was fearful and I was hopeful both. But their faces, little tiny faces, immediately made me utterly dependent on one outside of myself. It may have been the face of your mother or a father or a teacher or mentor bursting with pride when you had some success in life, or it may have been that look that devastated you when you had something less than success and you still remember it. The face of 90-year-old Dr. M changed me after I preached my first sermon many years ago as he approached me and he looked into my eyes, and he said words that I will never forget. It may have been the face of your best friend or your spouse on some special occasion. We want to connect with the face and the eyes of others, don't we? When someone is multitasking and not connecting face-to-face, eye-to-eye, sometimes we get frustrated or we're hurt, and we long for something more. I remember my granddaughter, Isabella, a few years ago, taking my face in her hands and turning it toward her face and saying, Pop, look at me. And she said it not demanding, but pleading with me to make contact with her. Faces change our lives for the positive, certainly, but sometimes the look, the face can be so powerfully condemning. Today, I'm going to be dealing with that look, that face of God that is always about blessing and shows compassion for his children. Have you seen the face of God? Wow, what a bold question that is. Perhaps a better way to ask it would be, has the face of God shown upon you? And by the question, I mean, have you had an encounter with God? Have you had an intimate meeting with him in which you saw and were impacted by his love for you? Let us turn to God's word this morning as the psalmist picks up on the priestly blessing that's found um, initially in number six. It comes from Aaron, and it's a call to be present with his people and bless them. And the full version that I will be reading is found in Psalm 67. Hear the word of God. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us 
that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The psalm writer is calling on God to bless Israel and also to bless the peoples of the nations of the world. And then if we jump to the New Testament, we see that the blessing of the nations happening right there before us after the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus, as Paul says in Ephesians 2, beginning with verse 11, therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. And the blessing continued from then and there through the ages and through the nations until it has now reached us. And now we're told that it is to continue going out from us. And so I ask you, have you seen the face of God? Has the face of God shone upon you? This morning, I want us to talk about the face of God shining upon us and then how we are to reflect that shining out to others, even to the ends of the earth. Verse 1 of Psalm 67, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. The first thing we see is that God's face changes us. We experience his grace and he blesses us as his face shines on us. We are no longer strangers with no hope. Moses came down from that mountain after having met with God and his life and his face were changed. Exodus 33 tells us, thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And that's what we long for, isn't it? To have God speak to us, to have his face shine upon us as his friends. Every one of us longs for the face of someone to shine upon us, to connect with someone as a friend. And sometimes for whatever reason, that simply is not happening in our lives. But I submit to you that we have someone whose face has shone upon us. And when it happens, we are changed as much as Moses. Hang on just a little bit. I'm going to tell you more about that face. But in our brokenness and need and our striving and our searching for happiness and our pursuing after things that will never satisfy, really what we are doing is seeking the face of God, that connection that intimate relationship and his speaking to us as friends. As he works in our hearts, we are just like the baby seeking to make eye contact with someone. You know, the baby, after a few months, 
um, he or she will be in the stroller and the baby will see you and will work as much as he or she can to make eye contact with you because there's something special about that eye contact. The face of God changes us as the face of God calls us. The face of God calls us to relationship with himself and others. He calls us to serve and to love and to pray. The face of God calls us to give and to go, to no longer live for ourselves. The face of God calls us to have a passion and to live for a cause that is bigger than ourselves. It causes us to live in dependence upon God and interdependence upon each other in the body of Christ. Exodus 34, 35 says, the people of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face was shining. Our second point is the face of God calls us to shine, to reflect his glory and his light, to be reflectors of his glory. May God be gracious to us, the psalmist writes, and bless us and make his face shine upon us that your ways may be known, may be reflected on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, O God. The face of God calls us to be in relationship with others in seeking to make the glory of the Lord known here and around the world. In a few minutes, I will share with you some of the people, some of the partners that we have um, as we share together the love of Christ Um, as Orangewood, but as with partners, and as we seek together to be reflectors of the love of Christ to others near and far. But first, let me say that just as the face of God changes us and calls us, the face of God causes and empowers us to be a blessing to other people. Early on in Genesis, God tells his people through Abraham that you are blessed in order to be a blessing to other people. Genesis 12, verse two. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. God had a special love for his people, the people of Israel, but they were to take God's love to the nations that nations might praise God. Verse four, may the nations be glad and sing for joy for you rule the peoples justly and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. Now, I cannot talk about the face of God without also talking about his heart. When the face of God shines on us, we see his heart. When you see the face of God, you see compassion. I've thought many times that I know God's heart for the world, but every time I enter deeply into relationships here or I go overseas, I see more of the heart of God as God's servants reflect his great love for people in such profoundly beautiful ways. Just yesterday morning, um, I was with a number of others here from Orangewood who were serving those of True Life Choice, now Choices, um, as they had a breakfast together. And they did it with such great joy and love. Two weekends ago, I was in Acapulco meeting with the leadership of the children's home there to discuss some issues going on. And I saw the giving of self, the denying of self, 
um, by the leaders there and the love and the joy they have in serving. And especially in serving one little new boy there who is deaf. The face of God has shone on Juan Manuel through those who serve there. And you cannot look on the joy in this little fellow's face, even though you have trouble communicating with him and not just see that his face is a glow and he's reflecting those who have loved him. Oh, that God would give us faces and lives that are a glow with his love and that others might see that in our lives and even smile. I've thought of my own heart um, so often, but it's so self-centered. And the truth was brought home to me years ago as I was having some heart issues. And I was having a nuclear stress test, and I'd had a couple before that. Um, And this one was in the hospital, and they actually got me going on this nuclear stress test. And I was reading my monitor there, beep, 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 and I was very proud of myself. And there was another one here. Usually they give you some privacy. This time they didn't. They brought this little lady in who was older than I was. Um, She was about this tall and about this big around. And they put her on that treadmill and got her going. And I was reading her monitor. And her monitor was not a beep, beep, beep. Her monitor was this wave like this. And I was trying to get everybody's attention because she was going to die. Um, At least that's what I thought. And about three minutes into it, the doctor comes and I was really relieved. And he says, ma'am, you can can stop. Um, Please go home. Don't eat any red meat and come see me in three months. And I said, hmm, that is really interesting. I I missed that one. My monitor is still going beep, beep, beep. And I'm feeling really good because uh, my reading of the monitor says I'm doing great. Well, about 12 minutes into it, the doctor stops me and he says, sir, um, we've got a problem. Um, You need a heart cath and maybe surgery. And I'm going, but what about that beep, beep, beep? I did not know my physical heart. And I realized I really don't know my spiritual heart for others or for God very well. I miss so much. But I will say that Even today, if I come to visit you in the hospital and you're on a monitor, I'm going to read it. Now, I've learned not to give my diagnosis, okay? So I'm not going to do that. Um, Let me tell you about my most interesting hospital visit ever. A friend asked me to visit a relative in the hospital who was going to have heart surgery. So I went down to the hospital. I asked downstairs um, what room uh, Mr. So-and-so was in. And I got there and he was really the most interesting um, looking guy. It looked like he had just gotten off of his Harley. He had this big beard and he was sitting in this chair. And so I started this conversation with him saying, "Um, I'm Joe Creech and um, um, your family member sent me. And he just, he didn't have a word to say. He just sort of would grunt at me and, and look at me funny. And so I kept talking and I finally, you know, said, well, I've got to talk to him about his heart condition. And so I said, you know, I can relate um, to what you're, you're going through because a number of years ago I had heart surgery and his eyes, as I was talking, were getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And finally, um, the first words he said were these, I thought it was my elbow. I realized something was going on. So I went out to the nurse's station 
and I said, Mr. So-and-so in this room. And she said, oh, we moved him down the hall. (laughs) I'm serious. Um, I had the wrong man. And I didn't go back in to tell him. (laughs) You know, I really don't know others' heart condition very well. I don't know my own heart condition so often. The bottom line is I'm still learning to see how God loves the world. And that happens as his face shines upon me. He never has the wrong man or woman, boy or or girl, as his face intentionally shines upon us. And I'll tell you more about that face in a minute. When his face shines on us, we are touched by his heart. Do you know the heart of God for you? for us, for the world? Do you begin to see God's heart for the world and for his church? Ephesians 5.22 says, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. And then in this church, the church universal, there are people from every tribe and nation. Um, Revelation 7 says, after this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. God sends his people out. We are not here for ourselves. His face shines on us and is to reflect out to others. Regarding Psalm 67, Tim Keller says this, like Abraham, we are blessed only that we might be a blessing to all the peoples of the earth. If you truly enjoy something, you instinctively want to help others to praise it too. Praising it to others completes the enjoyment. So true enjoyment of God must lead naturally to mission, to helping others see the beauty you see. God never draws us in except to send us out, to serve and reach others. God has worked so powerfully in our church and the lives of all of you. Do you know that you have, if you have come into relationship with the Lord Jesus, if his face has shone upon you, you now are reflectors to others. And that reflecting is to start in your own home and with those closest to you. And then it's to extend to those in your realm of influence. And then as God gives opportunity, you reflect to the community and all the way to the world. Imagine you're standing up here with me and let's say that we each had a mirror and there's a bright light and all of us have our mirrors reflecting out and going all over the place. It's so cool to think of the way in which we are reflectors of the glory of God, both here locally and also far away. Orangewood, you have reflected and you are reflecting the light of Christ to thousands of people. We Orangewood have joined hands with amazing men and women here and around the world to reflect the love of God to others living in darkness. I want to share with you today some of those with whom God has put us into partnership, reflecting the bright light of Christ. You see, so often we don't tell a good job of what you as a church are doing. I will start in the land of Israel, where Jesus was born, in the city 
of Bethlehem. There are Danny and Joy Awad, their church where he is preaching. They are teaching, caring for the needs of widows and orphans. And we have a five-year partnership with God's people there in Bethlehem. And then Brother N, you will see one of the most amazing guys I've ever met is he takes God's word to both the Israeli friends there, but also the Palestinian friends. Um, we are starting a, two, uh, a, a relationship with two Messianic pastors, Leon and David, amazing men whom God has called out um, to lead their churches. And then if we move to the area of the Apostle Paul's journeys in Turkey, we have had a 15-year partnership with Pastor T and Sibel, and they have this vibrant church that we have visited many, many times. Um, you know Scott and Christine, as, and they are connected to that ministry. Um, in Greece, we have a nine-year partnership with Pastor Yotis and Nopi. Um, and then, the, then there are the young pastors, Tim and Cynthia and Alex and Ileana and George and Phaedra. Amazing people God has raised up. All four of those men have preached here at Orangewood. And eight years ago at our conference, our conference offering actually went to the church where George is now in Glifada to outfit it, to put all the furnishings there. They've outgrown it and they're looking for a new place. God's working. Also in Greece um, is Pastor M., an Iranian man with an incredible story, ministering in an Iranian church plant, literally sending new Christian believers who were Muslims, radically changed by Christ all over Europe. When he preaches, he will have six or eight or ten cell phones on his pulpit. And where they've gone, they are now listening to a sermon as they've gathered others interested in the message of Christ together. Um, amazing what God's doing. And then there's the church ministry to the refugees there, um, which we have gone to at the drop-in center there in Victoria Square. You have supplied the furnishings for that building and food for them. There's El Faro. Um, our own Alan Williams here has worked with this center for young boys who have lost their parents on the journey from the Middle East to Europe. And they've arrived in Athens and they're alone. And El Faro is ministering to them. And then there's Aryiris and Dina. You know some of them. Um, Aryiris, his professor, has been president of the Greek Bible College. Dina started Damaris House for women coming out of trafficking. And that ministry is amazing. I love Psalm 113. It says, from the rising of the sun to the east, to the place where it sets in the west, the name of the Lord is to be praised. I've shared some of those to our east. What about the west? Let me just share with you two very special partners that we have. At Armonia, a ministry to the poor, especially indigenous there in the mountains of Mexico. It's run by Pilar Cruz after the death of her husband, Saul, our friend, um, just two years ago. We have a 30-plus year partnership with them. And we will be headed back over Labor Day weekend. If you have any medical skills, if you have a heart for the poor, come and join us. Um, you will never be the same if you do. And then Casogar, the children's home in Acapulco, we have a 20-plus year relationship, partnership there. Well over 700 from Orangewood have gone over the years, young and old. It's a great trip for parents and children. It's a great trip for high schoolers or anyone who loves children. 
You've heard me use the term partnership numerous times. We've sought partners locally and overseas. Um, in contrast to have a, having a project orientation where we go and we do something and then we disappear and never go back, we have sought to be building relationships um, in places that we can continue to be in relationship with those people and serve alongside of them over a period of years and to build into each other. And then in that partnership, we've also been gifted to have them come and minister amongst us because we have so much to learn from them also. A partnership is not a one-way road, but rather a sharing of life together, whether that is in Mexico or the Middle East or Europe or wherever. Um, Let's watch this video. It features Jesse Miller, one who has reflected the light of Christ in many places, but particularly at the children's home in Acapulco. Our relationship with Casogar here in Acapulco goes back nearly 20 years, and we have been coming that long, um, usually two times a year, with students young and, and up into high school, with parents. So the way Orangewood does short-term missions is not short-term, uh, because Orangewood believes in investing in relationship. Short-term trips are important for a number of reasons. It meets the needs that people have on the field, and then just to see the body of Christ working together to accomplish and really build Christ's kingdom here on earth. When you talk about Casa Bar, I see hope. And so everyone walks away being touched and transformed. Paso Gar was nothing like what I was expecting. It was definitely more run down, more rustic than I thought it was going to be. I've seen many lives change, including the lives of my own kids um, and how they view the world and how they view those who are not blessed in ways that we are. Um, Jessie is a prime example of that. She came as a young high schooler. Most of the places I've gone to before were in Europe, and Europe tends to be very first world, a lot like America. And Mexico was shocking. It was so impoverished. I thought it would be very uncomfortable. I thought I would definitely be miserable. And what's inside was completely different. There's so much life and so much beauty inside. I'm not sure she really wanted to come, very shy, but all of a sudden her heart was just captured um, by these kids, and these kids loved her. What motivates me is just sharing the relationships with the kids. I love them like my friends. I love them like my family. Relationship is the key part of a partnership. They minister to us, and it's something that's been very beautiful and beneficial on both sides is there's a giving and receiving in that partnership. And that's what's important to me. It's not about how I feel when I come. It's about how we feel when we're together. God used these kids to show me through their financial destitution, through their familial destitution, my own spiritual destitution. Paso Gar really sparked a light in me that said travel can be so much more than your individual journey. And I didn't realize that until I came here and someone that had nothing loved me so well and loved me so fully for no reason. 
And that's what God does. He loves us so well and so fully for no reason. And that just completely shattered my world. There's so much more that you are doing around the world that we don't have time to talk about today. But we will be sending emails. We Next week, we'll have a brochure out here where you can see all of the different ministries and missionaries with whom we partner. Um, in fact, I was shocked um, just this week to consider um, the number of folks who are part of us or who have gone out from us um, to serve both here locally and overseas. There were 13 family units. Um, many of you know Danny and Julie Kwan, who served with the Jesus film. Carol Donnelly, who serves in administrative duties with crew. Um, Patrick and Regina um, and their family who are here amongst us. And on the website, um, you can actually see Regina talk, apparently. Um, she did talk when we were interviewed. And um, you'll have a, we'll have a longer um, part of that. So I hope that you will go and see that. Scott and Christine, many of you know them, working with the Turkish Partnership. And then Aziz, whom you'll be meeting in a couple weeks um, here on a Sunday morning, who will be working um, throughout the Middle East. And then there are a couple dozen others who we support um, financially and, and pray for. Um, but keep an, an eye out this week, especially for those emails. If you're not getting an email tomorrow, call the church office so that we can get you on that as we seek to educate you uh, with some of our partners as we put those up every day um, the next couple weeks. Um, you're going to have the opportunities also in the next couple weeks to um, make commitments in various ways. Um, giving to our conference offering, um, which will go toward our missionary partners that we have featured here with us the next three weeks, or giving directly to that missionary um, to get them to the field. You can commit to praying for them as partners, and you can also consider actually going. And let me just ask this, um, why not this year? Why not go somewhere this year? Is the timing right for you? Maybe it hasn't been in the past, and maybe it's still not. But for some of you, it may be right. Um, we talk about short-term trips. We talk about long-term relationships. Have you heard a little bit about God's heartbeat for the world? Simply put, God loves the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, what does all this mean to Orangewood? As we have seen God's face, and as we seek to hear God's heartbeat this morning, we have seen that the face of God changes us. The face of God calls us to be reflectors. The face of God causes and empowers us to be a blessing to others. And I ask you, if you had seen the face of God, if the face of God had shone on you, I told you earlier that I would tell you more about that face which has shone upon you and me. There is one face which will always shine upon us as God's children. The most powerful, life-giving face possible. The one who enters into relationship with us as a holy God and our Savior. And yet as a friend, and that is Jesus. If you've had a good gaze at the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, you could not have missed his face shining on you any more than Moses could have missed God's face on that mountain. In the New Testament, 40 times, Jesus looked upon someone or a crowd. And often it says that he had compassion upon them. 
If God's face has shone upon you, don't look away. Be engaged by that look. Look at the cross and you will see the face of God. I submit to you that you have seen God's face shining upon you. You have seen the very heart of God. If you have gotten a good look at Jesus, St. Augustine said the cross was a pulpit in which Christ preached his love to the world. To Moses in Deuteronomy 5, it says, the Lord spoke with you face to face at the mountain out of the midst of the fire. On the cross, has not God spoken to us face to face? 2 Corinthians 4 Verse six, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And then it goes out from us. Have you had a face look upon you and change you? Psalm 27, the psalm writer says, you have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Have you sought God's face? If you do, you're going to find it in Jesus. To close, God's face has shone upon you and me. I'm sure of it because I see your lives. It has shone upon brothers and sisters around the world with whom we partner as a church. And together we have sought to reflect the light of his glory. That your ways may be known on earth your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. Can you, will you rejoice in that? You, we are reflectors of the light of the world, the Lord Jesus. We need to look no farther than the face of Jesus to see God and to know his heart. Will your cry, my cry, our cry together be the same as the Greeks to Philip. Sir, we would see Jesus knowing that we will be changed, knowing that we will be called, knowing that God will empower us to bless others. If you and I have really seen Jesus, everything changes. Christ in us, the hope of glory. I challenge you as God's face shines upon you, to earnestly seek. What does that mean for you? Does it mean praying, giving, going? Um, Why not this year? God's face is shining. How will you reflect that brilliance? What if God were taking your face in his hands and saying, look at me? How will you respond? Everyone here, young and old, can do something as reflectors of the beauty and the glory of Jesus. His love compels us to do so. Jesus changes everything. He takes your face and he says, look at me. Let us pray. Our Father, you are gracious and you are good to shine your face upon us. We seek blessings in so many places which will never provide such a blessing. As your face shines upon us, may we serve as reflectors of your grace and mercy to others in need.
Thank you for those with whom we partner around the world. We would ask that you would meet every need that they have. May we be an encouragement to them for the glory of Christ and for the building of your kingdom. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.